Welcome to the Good People Podcast, where each episode we explore what it means to be good by talking to everyday heroes, philanthropists, and altruists, and do-gooders. I'm Kelsey Timmerman. Hey, Jay, how's it going today? What have you been up to? Hey, Kelsey. Oh, gosh, it's been a busy uh, busy day with work. I'm happy to be uh, off and ready to uh, have an evening of relaxation before the big Game of Thrones conclusion. This oh, weekend. man, I am I'm excited for that. I don't want to advertise well, for HBO, but... I will for that show. That's fine. <laughs> um, I, I don't think they're hurting for money, though. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe they'll sponsor this podcast. Yeah, maybe, if we talk enough about Good it. Good people, brought to you by Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On what not to do, right? Oh, well. We'll take it. We'll take it. We'll take it. Who is who is the who is the best good person of Game of Thrones? Mm, gosh, yeah, that'd be that's I mean, a hard it's one. John. Yeah, he'd probably get my vote. Um, you know, most people have been have done some pretty horrible things. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So you have uh, <laughs> it's a whole other podcast. It is. So, so your kids are home from uh, college, and Great. they're back in the house and how, how's that going uh you know it's uh my uh, my middle ben is uh home and um it's a whole other person in the house higher groceries and more activities and more mess and more laundry yeah sure it's uh it's an adjustment but it's wonderful to have him here so how did you teach your kids gratitude grat- gratitude <laughs> how, how did you teach your kids gratitude because i feel like that's even- something that's really challenging yeah, we're not even having beer today, and you're announcing it off. Um, uh, you know, it is such a subtle thing, right? With kids, you can't just tell them to be to have, to have gratitude for the things they have, or or the things they do, or for what people do for them. Um, you know, for us, I think it's always just been that kind of day to day activity and and giving them perspectives and. Um, um, it's a, it's just a difficult thing to teach kids, um, by saying rather than doing right. Yeah. I mean, you have this, there's, you know, there's the classic, like eat all your food because there's kids around the world. There's a kid in Africa Starving. that doesn't have any food right. and you should be grateful for that. And yeah. I, I think every parent feels that at some point, but that, you know, that, that example uh, no kid has been like, oh, wow, okay. Uh, I'm really fortunate that I have this grilled cheese in front of me, and I'm so <laughs> thankful, Mom and Dad. Let yeah. me eat it right now and and be more grateful. Um, yeah, you know, there's been there's been moments of experiences I think that teach kid things, teach kids things. Um, you know, we took a trip to Chicago once, and um, you know, during the summer, thank goodness. But um, you know, there, you see a lot of homeless people walking in downtown Chicago. That's one thing. So. You know, we volunteered and done things, just small little experiences, not, not, not something we've put them through a lot, right? We didn't, we didn't move somewhere and live in a destitute area, but, um, you know, we volunteered in places. They got to see some of those faces and talk to people. Um, but, you know, day to day, you know, just like you and I do, you wake up in the morning, you get to make ego waffles, you get to, you know, have fresh milk, you, you, you they're just insulated in, um, you know, you can't, you can't give it to them every day in a way that helps them understand it at any real level. It's been interesting to, as you know, Harper's 10 now and to see her kind of wrestle with, um, inequalities and injustices in the world. And, you know, I've been, we've been talking to her about this stuff for a while, even before 
maybe she was even ready to fully process it where she would, you know, uh, take a, a conversation about the lives of garment workers and, and start talking about farts and poop. Right. So like maybe that's a little, little young, but as she, you know, recently this year, actually the famine in Yemen uh, was on the news and a friend of hers saw the news and started talking to about it with Harper at school and Harper started to watch some of the videos of the news reports and some of the people who, you know, these emaciated kids and uh, the proper reaction is, is shock and um, just uh, disgust. This is the world that we live in and certainly we should be able to do something about it. And Harper mm -hmm. and her friend Ellie did want to do something about it. So we got them together and tried not to steer them of exactly of like what kind of impact that they make. Although I have, I have strong opinions, I guess, in this, in this area <laughs> with the work that I've, I've done recently. But, you know, one of the things as they were talking, Harper was like, why don't we just get a bus and we load it with food and we drive to Yemen and we give them food and we can take people on the bus and take them somewhere where it's safe and there's plenty of food to eat and there's something so pure mm -hmm. and simple mm -hmm. and our heart is in such the right place and you know we wish the world was was that uh what was it wasn't so complex um, right. yeah but the the drive to start that thinking is something that i think sometimes we can lose because we become jaded that there are all these issues in the world and what can we possibly yeah do yeah. have have you have you had that experience with your kids like wrestling with that stuff at all uh you know it's funny i think back to a story while you were saying that of my oldest claire she um there was a, a video at her school of they they did a like a it wasn't a half marathon it was probably some sort of you know five mile walk or something i don't remember exactly what it was but at the end of the video was she was kind of the capstone to the video and she said she was running for homeless people and, and she sees homeless people and she wants to run. I know she was probably in fifth grade. Um, but you know, what's interesting to me is as she got older and has now kind of determined her career, um, food, um, food inequalities and in, in corporate American, um, uh, the way food is made and how it uh, affects people's lives and how it's marketed um, she really got passionate about that, as you know, right? And um, actually, your your book, Where Am I Eating, was one of those she read and 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 thought a lot about. Um, and she has ended up having a lot of compassion and and really wants to do something in that area dramatically. Um, and you know, that wasn't because I taught her that or my wife taught her that. She found that on her own and kind of drove forward with it. Um, she's always kind of had that heart to her. Um, but it's something she developed and she found, and, um, I didn't tell her all the ways that that work is too hard to do. And there's, she's not going to affect Tyson directly. And I should just shut up and let her see what she can do. Right. And yeah. uh, she'll probably do more than I could have ever imagined. I would guess. So it must be really neat to see your kid wrestle with those early thoughts about homelessness in Yorktown, Indiana, uh, to, uh, to evolve into something more mature and more researched and to where she's actually engaging these issues in her own community. Now it must be a pretty cool thing. Yeah. I, you know, for me, it's just about compassion and uh, you can, I don't know how much you can really teach that, but um, I think, I think everybody has a capacity for it. And when people find it um, by looking at what they see in the world, they obviously will 
some more than others, but are motivated to make a change. And yeah, that's exciting to see. I don't know if it's something we can take responsibility for more than the, the kids get credit for. Yeah. And I know Kelsey, when, when you and I talked about this, uh, this podcast early on and the, and the, all the good people, you know, um, I know the, the angle on service and, um, uh, and charitable giving around kids was something we had talked about. We wanted to do both being parents how do you teach it? How do you get kids to take action? Yeah. Um, that's what this, this next section will be. Yeah. In this, in this recording right now, you probably can hear my son Griffin <laughs> playing, <laughs> playing in the background. He's, he's one of the best people I know, right? He, he definitely is one of the best people I know. Um, sure and so today I'm really excited that we have some really uh, cool guests that I, I that I met a few years ago online, Bill and Laura Grindle. Um, they are the founders of See Kids Dream. And um, I'll share a little of their bios. Uh, Laura Grindle is the co-founder and executive director of See Kids Dream. She is passionate about addressing challenges faced by today's communities and believes that one of the most important opportunities to do this lies with an investment in our youth. So Laura, she leads a team that develops and supports um, all of Sea Kids Dream service learning programs, which I thought was really interesting in that I think of service learning as in like higher education, but she's kind of doing this in, in middle schools. And she supported hundreds of teachers and tens of thousands of students in service learning over the past 11 years in Columbus, Ohio. And her, oh, husband, her husband, Bill Grindle, is the co-founder of Sea Kids Dream and a partner at Communica a global advertising agency. He has a passion for community service and engaging youth in ways that help them to build confidence and skills for success in life. So I, I think this is a really good chat for, um, I think uh, for all of us, especially the parents out there who are trying to inspire their kids to give. And there's something that we all can learn as givers from the methods that they use in See Kids Dream to help guide kids on that journey to be better givers. So without further ado, Bill and Laura Wendell. So uh, Laura and Bill Grindle, welcome to the Good People Podcast. Thanks for coming on. Hello. Hello. Thanks welcome. For us. We're excited to be here. Yes. So Bill, we got we've been connected now, I think, for almost a decade, I believe. Do you yeah, remember how we got connected? Yeah, I think you're one of the uh, my longest standing Facebook friends that I have yet to meet in person. In fact, you might be my only <laughs> Facebook friend that I have never met in person. Uh, we connected through a, a good friend of ours. Both you and I knew Larry Olson uh, from Wiley Publishing, uh, from your publishing. Yeah. I think we were supposed to run a half marathon together, Kelsey. Oh, we were, weren't we? <laughs> what happened? Was it going to be an indie? It was. That was my first ever. And uh, you were going to run it with Larry, and I think you might have either hurt your knee or, or so, I can't remember. Wow. It's been so long ago. Kelsey, did I you had... think did you think this one was going to be a confessions of Kelsey? The things he did? yeah. Uh huh. So I, I had a better excuse. Maybe it was better. Maybe not. I was actually in Kenya. Ah. I ended up in Kenya, and I missed that uh, half marathon. And I actually ran, attempted to run a half marathon with uh, world class uh, athletes in Kenya at eight thousand feet. Oh, okay. Well, which was not, which is not a good idea. <laughs> well, and that's a much better confession than saying that you injured a knee or a, a, an ankle or something. And that was a reason not to be running the, the Indy mini with me. Although it was an exciting day. 
<laughs> yeah, it was, I think it was a very wet and cold day. So my wife, Annie, was going to run it with me, and she would have not been happy with me because it was really cold and really rainy, as I remember it. And a Kenyan actually won that half marathon, and he oh, probably wow. trained where I was running. So all comes full circle. <laughs> but well, Larry Olson, uh, Larry Olson um, it was at Wiley. He's probably one of the reasons, I mean, I, obviously the reason we're talking because he's our connection, but uh, the reason that I have a writing career to some extent. So Larry really championed my books very early on and um, got to become really good friends with Larry. And he was, he's one of the most generous people that I have ever met. And I remember Larry telling me, this kind of sums up Larry, he talks about how sometimes people can uh, exploit his how generous he is, but he, he doesn't, he doesn't care. You know what I mean? Like, cause yeah, that's not cool, but it's worth it because all of all the times that it, you know, he, all the time and uh, friendship he pours into people most time is, is absolutely worth it. And so, um, you know, so Larry, anyone time Larry introduces me to someone, I know that they're definitely good people. <laughs> He's a great guy. I think yesterday was his birthday as a matter of fact. So oh, it was small circles in the world that's for sure and i'm not sure whether to be offended or um honored that i'm your only facebook friend you've never met in person <laughs> well i guess i'd say i think i'm a fairly social person but i tend to keep those circles sometimes until i really feel comfortable that i can trust or know somebody in today's world in social media sometimes you you're, you're you can be a little weary so <laughs> yeah yeah. So um, you are uh, the, the founders and organizers of, of Sea Kids Dream that works with kids and pennies. I mean, two things in our world that, that often I think we don't maybe value enough uh, the impact that they can make. So how did, how did how'd you get started with the making change through kids and pennies? Sure, sure. Uh, well, you know, I, the, the story of how the organization started really – you, I could take you way back and talk for hours on this, but, um, you know, as a kid growing up, I was very involved in volunteering. My father was raised in an orphanage. Um, I just have always believed that it's important for individuals in a community to work together, to get involved in caring about one another, to build empathy and skills. Um, and Laura and I share uh, that passion for it. So working with young people, uh, to help them to see the value in working together, to connect with one another. But I, I learned about an organization in New York through the work that I, w I was doing, actually through uh, the individual we were just talking about, uh, Larry. Uh, he, entered, he asked me for some help on a project, and I heard about this gentleman in uh, New York that was running the core program that we started, and we've now expanded. I'm sure Laura will talk some about that in, as we're together here today. But um, I was, you know, Laura and I both had this passion for trying to get our own children and we shared our life experiences about the importance of getting kids involved. But when I met this gentleman named Teddy Gross in New York City, he and his wife, or he and his daughter, excuse me, had really uh, just inspired uh, me in a deep way. They taught, he, he was sharing a story about how the two of them had started this organization and they were collecting spare change and donating it to a local soup kitchen and empowering kids to decide how to give that money back. And they were doing it through their schools. And he talked about it as democracy in action. 
So he went from, in that course of that conversation I had with Teddy, he started off describing the experience he was having with his daughter, and it really inspired me as a parent. You know, I sat there and listened to him and thought, what an amazing father he is. And then he started to talk about the experience of empowering kids to see how if they collected spare change and they researched things in their community, democracy in action was them working together to fix things on their you know, the two square blocks that they lived in and not waiting for the mayor or the governor or somebody else to get involved. So he kind of went from talking to my heart as a parent to talking to my head as a citizen. And uh, that day was, I, I've told Teddy many times, it was a transformational day in my life. I think my butt. He asked so many times, what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> I want to say that again, right? You, you said that to me. But, so now it's weird for Teddy, you're saying. You've said it so much that it's weird for yeah, Teddy. Yeah, but my butt hit the cab seat, you know, on the way to the airport, and I think that I was already on the phone with Laura saying I just had the most amazing day. And uh, it took us a few years to convince Teddy to let us try it out in, in Ohio where we live. Um, but we both had a shared passion for, for this idea of, like I said, engaging young people, showing them the power of working together. Yeah, and I think... For me, you know, my my upbringing was really very, very different than Bill's. Um, so I grew up in a family that wasn't involved in volunteering or in the community at all. I didn't get the chance to be in Girl Scouts or do anything through church or anything like that. So I didn't have any experience like that. And quite honestly, I grew up thinking, hearing about volunteering and as a kid thinking, that sounds boring. I really did not think there was any reason to get involved. Um, and it's, it's just what I thought. I didn't know anything about it. And so, of course, I'm still a compassionate person. And I think all kids are. I think all kids are kind of born that way. You know? And I, so when I met Bill, you know, one of the things that I just fell in love with him about, oh, in love about with him, it was um, his generosity, his generous spirit. And that was so evident to me. And then when I got to know his family and see how volunteering and giving back and being part of a larger community was so obvious and how it had influenced him and his whole family, I said, that's something I want. And um, so, you know, we got married. And, and the first thing we both talked about was after we had a kid, we said, this is going to be a part of his life, you know, our child's life. And so for, for me, um, having the opportunity to volunteer not until I was an adult, um, was really powerful, actually, um, because not only did I learn it wasn't boring, I was shocked at how uh, I actually felt guilty, because when I walked away from the experience, I couldn't believe how much I got out of it, and I kept thinking, I don't feel like I gave nearly as much as I got from this experience. It was incredibly moving to me. And I was one of those kids who grew up um, very shy, not confident in my own self. Um, I had a lot of ideas, but I wasn't going to put them out there. I wasn't going to share them. I didn't want to be facing rejection, those kinds of things. Um, and I, after having that experience, I remember very vividly, I remember walking away the first time I volunteered as an adult, walking away and thinking, I can't believe that what I just took part in mattered so much to other people. And that was the moment that I really, it really clicked for me. I realized that volunteering and giving back is a way of recognizing your own value as a person 
and how much you have to give. And it inspires you just to keep doing it again because it feels good. And I mean, there's so much research and science that shows that that's true, but it also inspires you to do it again because you want to see that smile on the other person's face. You want to see that what you've done matters to them. And so it was that, that experience, our combined experiences really, and the contrast between them that I think really led us to thinking, why is there any situation where a kid does not have the opportunity at least to experience giving back? And Laura, do you, do you see the same sort of switch flipping in the kids you're working with? I mean, I, you think about, you know, kids at really any age are thinking about what's next for them and what's fun for them and what they're going to do. Just like you were saying, we were all the same way. But I have to expect this is a learned experience for them that um, once they learn the same thing you did, the reaction's probably not that much different. Yeah. In fact, one of the most common comments that we hear at the end of the year when the kids are made their decisions about how they're going to support someone else, how they're going to help in the community, the biggest thing that we hear, we just heard this at an event we held the other night, uh, a couple weeks ago, um, one of the students who was an alumni of the program came back and shared exactly these same words that we hear all the time. You know, I know this mattered because of the smiles I saw on the other people's faces who I helped. And that is the reward for me. So yeah, I think it is, it is very powerful. And I think in today's day and age where, you know, kids are growing up with the technology and all this opportunity to communicate in a different kind of way than how I grew up at least, you know, and and that's all I can speak to is my own experience, but they're not having as many opportunities for face-to-face. And so they're missing those opportunities for not just the face-to-face communication, but the face-to-face response of giving. You know, the seeing that, that impact, that's one of the real values that we see of service learning, whether it's through See Kids Dream or any other organization or any other way that a teacher might bring this about or a parent might bring it about as an opportunity to share with, their, with, with kids the opportunity to see the impact that they can have is incredibly powerful. It is incredibly powerful in so many ways. You know, the, the switch flipping analogy that you uh, mm-hmm. said as well, Jay, it just, I can think so many times of either being in a school or talking to a group of kids that have gone through um, our program or have just volunteered or have just gotten engaged. And I'd compare it to almost like a star athlete, you know, a kid that all of a sudden realizes that they're really yeah. great at something yeah. like that. Their coach is the one that maybe has been cheering them on but they didn't know that they had that skill. And then all of a sudden, wow, I'm making every shot I make. You know, I got a fastball that's striking every kid out at the plate. And these kids suddenly they see the power that they have. They, and by power, I mean, they see that I didn't need my mom and dad to do that. I didn't need my teacher to do that. It was just me and a couple of my classmates. And all of a sudden you just see this swell of confidence when they see what at the age of eight, nine, 10, and 11, they're capable of. And that's when you see this switch, you know, flip, that there's like this energy and enthusiasm and excitement that sometimes at the beginning of the year, when you go into a school, you may not quite see. It's not until they start to see some of the traction and the impact of what they're getting involved in. So, but it's, it is really cool. 
when you see those moments happen. Well, the name of your organization is pretty much about seeing that switch flip, right? It's about seeing kids go to that dreaming stage where they can, you know, see the, imagine the impact that they yeah. possibly can make. So you, you come, you have this idea, you have this experience in Newark, come back. What, what, are the, what are the steps that got you to an organization that's now been around for 11 years? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, you know, or at least the first couple steps, right? Because you know, people have ideas that they want to bring to life. And, and how, do you, how do you make that? How do you make your own dream become an organization that's been around for 11 years? I, you know, I think there's a lot of answers to that question. And some of off the top of my head, and I know Bill can jump in and ask some to hear too. Um, but my first reaction is, First of all, it's a lot harder than you ever think it's going to be. Just It's just the same as starting any startup business, business. Um, only this one happens to not be for profit. Um, so there's a whole lot of twists and turns that you never saw coming and that you've got to be ready and flexible for. Um, and so along that lines then, the other big thing I would say is that what's gotten us here today is the people. The people who are a part of making this happen. It is a community. It is it does take a village. It's, a, it's our team, our, our own immediate staff, but then it's our board, it's our committee members, it's our volunteers in the community, the teachers that we partner with. It is really to, to make something like this happen. And I would say this would have to be true of almost every nonprofit out there. It takes a community to really make it come to life. And, um, and I guess that's one of the things I would say is if you can't get a community to support it, then maybe it's not the right organization. You know, maybe that need's not there. Um, I think that that's a really important piece for people to, to recognize who are thinking about doing something like this on their own, starting something up, starting a nonprofit, is to really think about how you can connect to the wider community um, to get their engagement. When people see um, the impact um, that we're able to to support youth in making, they want to be a part of it, and that's really where it comes down to. Is if people want to be a part of it, then you're going to be you're going to find success eventually, one way or another. <laughs> I guess I'd say you know the the getting it started part, in many ways, is really at the core of what we're really all about as well, Kelsey. I, I always say, um, and sometimes when I say it, other people sort of poke fun at me, but a little on it, but. I always, you know, it starts with you. <laughs> Every single action in the world starts with somebody being willing to take action. And so for us, it was the two of us being willing to take action. But then that led to a breakfast conversation with a friend mm -hmm. that sharing a story of like this passion to want to get this started. And then that led into, oh, well, I'll help you. And the next thing you know, there's this little groundswell of a handful of people that were driven by a passion. Yeah. But it, in many ways, that's really what we're about just as an organization, hoping that we yeah. can spark kids in that way. They yeah. can see that, you know, change in the world or making something better. Uh, it really all, if you're going to sit back, things don't happen. You've got to step right. forward and be willing to, to take action. So I, yeah. I think we might have been the first ones to like spark it, but boy, there was a whole bunch of people around that were real quick to fan it and turn it into a flame. And then there's been a lot of passion from, as Laura said, the kind of the village around us mm -hmm. uh, to keep the flame burning and, and 
that's inspiring. When you continue to meet people, yeah. you share the story of what we're doing. Um, it's kind of hard not to want to get yeah. involved in working with, with young people and helping them to build confidence and skills and, and at the same time do philanthropic work in the community. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like a similar experience with the, with the facing project and that, um, it's an idea I would just tell people about and they just, people just kind of like gravitated towards it. And before long, it was like, there was, there were many people involved and there weren't a lot of people that said, no, I'm not really interested in being part of that. So I feel like to folks that they're thinking about starting something and maybe this idea of if it's something that people are just naturally attracted to, I feel like there's not a lot of rejection and, and, of the idea when we were sharing it with people and it sounds like you had a very similar experience where it almost has its own momentum mm -hmm. and then you're just along for the ride even yeah. if you weren't asking for 11 years later to be yeah. you know sitting in the sea kids dream office right you're just there you're exactly right yeah, that's uh, a really great great way of yeah, describing to yeah. to that point and maybe uh, i could get real long-winded as i i'm known to at, at times but you know that that's a ball that got started, you know, sharing that story after Laura and I had talked and talking to a friend and she said, I'll help you after I talked with her at breakfast and she worked for a very large company here in the, in Columbus. And she said, I'm going to introduce you to the gentleman that's the head of our foundation. And he works with so many nonprofits in the community. He'll tell you if there's already somebody doing something like what you're doing that you could collaborate with. He'll tell you all the reasons you either should or shouldn't do it. And I said, great, that, that'd be awesome. And so as we were walking out of breakfast that day, he walked into the restaurant and I met him oh, in wow. the park, like as we were walking out. So I sort of, that momentum that sometimes there's, you know, something at work <laughs> that just kind of gets a ball go rolling. Uh, That's kind of how Sea Kids Dream's been since day one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, even the people, like, right, Larry Olson, who kind of started both of our journeys to some extent, right? Yeah. In many yeah. ways. To the Teddy, to the breakfast friend, to the guy at the company, you know, and I'm sure it just goes on and on and on and on. Oh, yeah, it, does. it definitely does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's get a little bit to the nuts and bolts of how your organization works and what exactly it does. Sure. Um, well, so what we do is service learning. And so um, what that really means is it's, it's, a lot of times people think of it as volunteering and it looks a little bit like it might look a little like volunteering if you see kids out in the community who are do a part of service learning but what you probably didn't get to see with service learning is all the time and learning and research and effort and decision making that went into the before we show up in the community <laughs> um, so our program um, gets kids involved in in giving back to their community by first of all starting with a question what are, what is my community? What, how do I define community? Is it my neighborhood? Is it the whole world? Or is it where, where does the, where's the range in between? Um, and for every kid that answer is different and that's perfectly okay. We encourage them to have a discussion about that. And then they will um, identify needs in their community. And we have a specific process they go through in, in doing that, thinking about all of the great things in their community, the people in their community that they spend time with and the places they spend time in that they appreciate. And then they contrast that with what are some of the challenges in my community? 
Where are some of the people in my community that need help? Who are they? Um, and what could we do about that? So that's how kids start thinking about community issues from their own unique perspectives. And our programs are in schools across all ranges of, um, of, of kids um, in our community here in central Ohio. And um, so those wide ranging, there's a wide range of community issues that kids will identify as a need that they want to address. So that's what they do at the beginning of the year. Um, and then they will kind of go out in the community and actually ask for even more input on these ideas. Mm -hmm. They'll say, hey, you know, we're thinking that community safety might be an issue here. Um, what do you think? And, you know, what do you think are the, the challenges that we should consider addressing? We're looking to, um, to hone in on one or two of those issues. So kids will, again, have community converse conversations with other community members and come to a decision where they're down to one or two, typically one or two, um, concerns that they have in their community they want to support and help um, to address. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, it's problem solving, essentially. Um, and so then they spend um, a good deal of time, a couple of months, um, doing research on that topic. Um, so maybe they've chosen, for example, community safety. I'll just stick with that one. Um, so they might contact the local um, police department, uh, contact the mayor's office, the, government, uh, the city government. They might have already an idea in their head of why there's, there's trouble with safety. So they might look at things like, you know, is there um, activities in the area that we don't think are safe? Um, do we want to do something about like prevention, like drug, drug, drug prevention? Um, there are things like that they might look at, or they might look at something like, let's take another topic, like um, hunger, hunger, let's talk about that, or home, let's talk about homelessness maybe. That's a topic that kids often choose. Um, they would look at, well, what can we do about, what is really the root cause of homelessness? Is it, um, that there just is not enough affordable housing? Um, is it access to jobs and job training? Kids will actually look at these questions and ask, ask these questions um, of themselves and, uh, and they will go in and do research online. Um, and then they will actually reach out to local organizations who are supporting these causes, these issues in our community, because these are the experts that are dealing with this on the front lines every day. So they will invite those, those members of the community to come into their school and they'll, they'll do an interview with them. Um, so they'll, they'll ask, they'll have a bunch of questions that they've identified ahead of time. Um, but then they're going to have some follow-up questions as well. And through that process, they learn, wow, there's a lot of ways that you can support someone who's dealing with, um, homelessness. You know, it could be preventative. Um, maybe someone's living in a home and they're making a choice between paying for their, their medical needs um, or keeping the electricity on. So, you know, is there an organization that supports the electrical bill being paid? Um, that might be a, a, an organization they want to partner with. Um, but then kids may say, you know what, let's, let's look at the local health clinic instead, because that's really important. If you don't have health, you know, you're in real trouble. So kids will have discussions about these kinds of questions and actually have a debate about it um, and trying to decide how is the best way for them to support that cause. Um, some of our schools will do fundraising, um, and that's the penny harvest, the pennies you talked about earlier. Okay. Um, so we have a couple of different programs. Penny Harvest is definitely a very popular program, and that's a program where kids will collect spare change. 
Um, and the spare change is used to support whatever project the students have identified. So for example, to support people who are dealing with homelessness. Um, so they may choose to use that change, put it, put it all together and use it to make a grant to an organization that keeps the lights on in someone's home so that they don't have to get kicked out because they don't have the, you know, they aren't keeping the heat on long enough and the pipes are freezing. Um, it, or it might be um, that they use, they decide to collect supplies that would be given to um, a, a shelter that's serving people who are dealing with homelessness currently. Um, they might also choose to do an advocacy campaign. We had a group of kids who were learning about homelessness. Um, they had chose that topic because they themselves had friends who had been dealing with homelessness. Um, this was um, kids who, who, who understood this problem. And, um, but they, it was interesting. They wanted to address it because they had, you know, seen homeless people in their neighborhood um, and they wanted to help them. And when they started doing the research, they found out that teens sometimes are homeless. Hmm. And this just rocked their world because these guys were 12 years old, 11 and 12 years old. So they were thinking, well, what if that was me? And so they decided that they really wanted to partner with the teen, um, it focused on the teen, homeless, teen homelessness issue. And in particular, they wanted to do an advocacy campaign because they thought, you know what, we need to get the word out. I didn't know that there was a, home, a homeless shelter for teens. And now that I do know, I want my other friends to know. I want as many people as possible to know. So they did an advocacy campaign and um, shared, you know, information about the local shelter and what you should do if you are finding yourself in a situation where you need help. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that the kids choose to help. Um, and that's the big deal is that they do. They are the ones who choose. And that is one of the most important parts of service learning and of our programs at Sea Kids Dream is the kids are the ones making those decisions. And in the end, what we really want them to remember is that they are the ones who made those decisions and therefore they can make those decisions again. And so are you, do you and your leaders function more as mentors to say, look, we'll be, we'll be counsel for you when you want to figure out, okay, what's available or how do I go about this or who should I call for this? That sort of yeah. participating, but not, not Absolutely. mandating. Yep. So we uh, partner with schools. Schools are our partners and some of our most important volunteers of all are the teachers, the school counselors, social workers that work in the schools with students, and they actually will uh, facilitate our program, but all of them in our program are called coaches. And the reason we call them coaches is because it's to remind them that they are, they are not um, the decision makers. They are there to support the facilitation of conversation and decision making happening with kids. Yeah, yep. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and that's the, what, going back to what we talked about earlier, this, that whole idea of the switch flipping is mm -hmm. empowering the kids to make the decisions. Mm -hmm. um, I think even some of the most passionate teachers sometimes don't recognize how much in the course of what they do, some of it is about instruction as opposed to engagement. And, and then they see when that, that process changed, they see a, a switch flip. And I, I've even talked to some teachers that have said that it makes them rethink about the way that they teach, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. because they see so much more engagement when the kids are the ones sort of driving the process. And obviously learning takes place when there's a deeper level of yes. engagement like that. Yeah, so. being student led really makes a difference in that regard, yes.
Yeah, I think one of the, I was just keeping notes uh, and the questions that, that you all inspire the kids to ask before they act, I think is so important, right? Because I've seen plenty of times, whether it's in communities in the United States or a village far away, that you walk into a village and you walk into a community and you're like, oh, I know what this community needs, oh, right? Wow. But, but you don't, right? And, no, and that's not at all. That many of us make. But the questions that you all, uh, first, I mean, starting off with what is community for the, for the kids and then uh, ask what issues they face and then you're having like a focus group and what if that was me? Can we just have every adult process every issue with that <laughs> question of what if that me like wow what how much of a difference will that make and then how can i how can i make an impact yeah i mean those are just i think really foundational to to get to the step of where the kids are choosing how to make an impact they've done all of the work that i think many of us don't do when it comes to giving because we give in in such knee-jerk ways and not with a lot of thought not with a lot of effort and so it's amazing that you're creating givers and teaching teaching kids how how to give it's funny one of the one of the most common things that we also hear from kids when you ask them at the end of the year we bring them all together so they learn from each other actually it's pretty cool um, kind of like a big science fair, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Um, and they, when you ask them questions, you know, what did you like the best? What was the hardest part? The hardest part, they, uh, it's almost like 100% of them answer this question the same way. Deciding. Deciding yeah. how to support, how to help. Because when they meet these other community organizations, these other community members, they're, they're touched by what they hear and they want to help in that way too. And so that becomes a real challenge to try to decide, you know, if they only have a certain limited amount of resources to support with, whether it's their time, their talent, or their treasure, um, they still have to figure out what's the best use of that resource. So that's, that's an area where they, they all seem to agree. It's, it's very hard to decide. Yeah. I mean, 11, go, I'll go ahead, Bill. Sorry, yeah, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. So like 11 years ago, we were, we were, I think we were in the thick of, my math's not very good, we were, we were kind of on the cusp of the financial crisis. Too. <laughs> yes. like, it was a great time how, to start. Yeah, everybody <laughs> said that to us. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. How have, the, how have the topics that the kids, ha, have they changed? Have the topics changed that kids focus on? You know, there was... There's a definite three topics that the kids choose have chosen every year with consistency. Um, so they typically choose um, childhood illness. So they think about their peers, right? Other kids who are, who are dealing with illness in some kind of way. Um, then basic human needs. So hunger, homelessness, any of those issues related to your basic needs as a human. Um, those are really important to them, and they see that right away. Um, and then animals are also an important cause for them. Um, they, they really relate to the animals, and they think about who's going to stand up for them. Um, so those are those top three that we have seen consistently since in 11 years. We still see it. But I will say what we have seen has shifted is some of the other topics that are kind of right there underneath. Um, we sometimes would hear more about things like um, community safety. Um, um, let's see, definitely they, they care a lot about the military veterans support um, and I would say senior citizens. Um, 
But now we are hearing, oh my goodness, a lot more. And it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, mental illness is mm. a thing we hear so much right now. And um, here in Central Ohio, we hear a lot about the opioid crisis too. Yeah, yeah. So. I think kids are unfortunately exposed to it mm -hmm. um, in ways that we don't want to wish on anyone. Yeah. Uh, mental, mental health in particular is something that, um, it, and it's interesting, we sometimes we'll kind of take um, a small version of what we do with the kids because our program takes all year for kids to learn, go through. It's a whole year long. Um, but sometimes we'll do it for adults just on a really mini scale. And we'll ask adults even what are their topics that they would choose to help the community. And mental illness comes up there too. So I think this is a really important topic um, that we're seeing a lot with kids um, as well as adults that I think it's a, it, one of the interesting things is that service learning helps you to build those relationships. It helps you to feel good about yourself mm -hmm. and it helps you to feel empowered about some of the challenges that you see around you. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of um, are glad that service learning can be something that can, um, I guess, mediate some of those challenges with mental health. Um, you know, thinking about the things that you can give to another and, and the things that you're grateful for is one way to really, um, to help lift people's spirits. But it is, a, it is a new thing that we've seen that in the last probably three years, especially. Do you, yeah. do you sense that they are news consumers? I mean, are they, I know some of this is experiential, so they're, they know people in their lives or they're, they're uh, you know, seeing people with these, that are having these effects, but are they news consumers? Are they picking up on all the same um, stories that we all do? Do you sense that? I would say, <laughs> um, I would say they are parent consumers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they hear what their parents say. They hear about. a secondhand yeah. take on the news. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, and, and unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess your, your perspective, <laughs> uh, social media channels, there, there's a lot of kids, while I know, you know, your Facebooks and Twitters and such out there are supposed to not have uh, the age ranges participating. There's no doubt that younger kids are in the social space, but yeah, they are. Their, right. their news consumption comes through YouTube, YouTube. and <laughs> YouTube and, you know, social channels yeah. and definitely the kitchen table. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, when it comes to these kinds of topics, what I, what we hear real consistently in the schools, if kids are expressing opinions about some of this, um, you can, you can hear that it's coming through what they're hearing at home, what their parents are sharing with them. Yeah, I bet there's some really interesting uh, conversations at the kitchen table, right? Because I mean, the, the topics that you all focus, the, the kids that focus on are all kind of like people have a lot of preconceived notions about, well, maybe not childhood illness, right? But the, the, why people can't meet their basic human needs or why people live in poverty or mental health and yeah, well, yeah. How, to, how to support them. And I'm sure that the kids have experiences that maybe even challenge the I opinion of the parents. <laughs> Without a doubt, I think you've even seen and heard a couple times where a child's advocacy becomes a little bit uh, passion that their passion outstrips maybe what they w had witnessed at home. <laughs> we have we do have an um, one part part of the year um, as we're kicking things off. Uh, kids are starting to investigate community issues, and we invite parents to come to kind of like a big community gathering with all kinds of local community organizations there. So the kids can start 
talking with them, gathering some basic information. And um, so many times that's the first time the parent has even heard of, of our company, of, of Seekids Dream or learned about that their kid is really in this program. And so they're kind of just walking along and the kid is leading these conversations with the other organizations that are there to, because their job is to get information. And, um, and we've heard from parents say, my goodness, I didn't know my, my child could, you know, talk about that kind of stuff. And so, so it does sometimes surprise parents. Um, typically, too, our, our, our typical, most common age that we are reaching at this point in time is um, probably fifth and sixth graders. Uh, yeah, we, yeah. we are hoping to be able to um, get some funding to, to expand to middle school in the years to come here. Um, we're really looking forward to doing that. But right now, it's that fifth grader range. So still very, um, I think for parents, maybe, <laughs> Parents uh, might be thinking that their child is less engaged than they really are. Yeah, I, I think yeah. a lot of us as parents, and I know, Kelsey, you have uh, a couple little ones there. You said Griff is in the background there, uh, seen through Facebook, <laughs> some <laughs> of the things you share as a, as a parent, which is really cool. Um, but w without a doubt, I think uh, sometimes us, us parents don't realize what our own kids yeah. are really capable of, and it's... I keep going back to that sports analogy. All of a sudden you see somebody shine in something, um, whether it be music, whether it be science, whether it be athletics. Um, sometimes as a parent, it's that first moment that you see a spark that you're like, I didn't know. Yeah. And yeah. that happens a lot at the event that Laura's talking about yeah. where these kids are walking around a high school gymnasium interviewing nonprofit organizations with mom and dad in tow. And you can see the facial expressions. Yeah. And that uh, like, my kid's leading that conversation with an adult there, and I didn't realize just how intelligent they are. <laughs> yeah. I think there's really something powerful about kids kind of uh, leading us in these areas, too, because as uh, adults that may have more experience or preconceived notions with these things, we can think, well, it's always going to be this way, right? We have that. We're kind of jaded. And, you know, I know that, and this is a, a little bit political, but, um, you know, after Sandy Hook happened, and nothing happened to me. I was like, nothing's ever going to happen with, you know, oh, no. gun safety and school shootings are going to continue on. But then it happened at Parkland yeah. and, and, and those kids were not jaded in that area no. and they saw that injustice for what it was and they stood up and they led. And so I love what you're doing because you're introducing kids to these topics at a time when they're not jaded and, and, creating activists at a really, really young age. You know, so, I, I, gotta, I have to build on what you're talking about just real quickly uh, on that for a second and just say that sometimes it's really important for the kids to be thinking about challenging something on a national scale or a big picture, but other times mm -hmm. their ability to take action in their local community and see change in their hometown or in their you know, just right around their school, yep. it's that kind of change that all of us, you know, I'll never be president of the United States. I may never convince, you know, um, our Congress to change our gun laws, but I can definitely influence small change in my community. And when people work together, it's those small incremental changes that yeah. really can be massively important. We really teach, there's three things that we teach. Everyone can help. And that's 
So that comes through in lots of different kinds of ways. It comes through in that our program is for all kids. There's not a school that's not suited for our program. Um, and we put our programs into schools because we want all kids to have access to it. Um, the other thing is that we're better at helping when we understand the challenge. So that's the research and learning. And then we make a bigger impact when we work together. Those are the three things that our program really wraps around as far as teaching. And there is that, that really big, important understanding, I think that's just so critical for every person, does not matter our age, um, to, to learn is that we all can make a difference to another person. Bill's absolutely right in saying the big, big, big ways that people help are important. Those big, big movements and, and initiatives that, people, that one person starts and everybody else jumps in is so important. But sometimes that can make us feel like, oh, well, then I can't do that. I, you know, I won't try. And it's really important that we all recognize yeah. we all can truly do something. Even yeah. if you're, it's you're, creating, you're creating activists, people that are going to move. And I think some of these successes in those early years, they can see, look, you know, even as something as simple as we had a penny drive and we were able to fund meals for a month. Mm -hmm. whatever it might be, mm -hmm. they, they can check a box of success there. And then as they grow up, you have to real you have to think that those, those kids as adults feel powerful. They can, they can affect their environment. They can affect their communities. And I think that's a real, a strong outcome of what you're doing. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so the, the first kids in the program now are in their, in their twenties, yeah. right? Wow. Yeah. Do you have, uh, I've, I, I've been in writing books now for about a decade. Right. And I had people that heard my, heard me come and talk when I was, when they, when they were in like school and now some of them are like the professors. I'm like, Oh, that's, yeah. that seems weird. And I think that's the same experience, you know, as you're creating this almost, um, I'm sure you, you have some type of analytical data that you use, but really the big impact that you're making is probably immeasurable in ter terms of the lives of the people you're impacting. Um, but do you have any like specific story that maybe you can end on about like a person who has grown up and, and something that they've gone on to do? Do you have like a favorite story? Well, what I wish that I could say that we have something like that, Kelsey. Um, so because our program runs in schools, we don't get direct contact information for any of the, you know, the kids oh. or the families who are, who are involved. Um, obviously that's all confidential records information within a school. So um, we, we can hope <laughs> that, um, that there are going to be great things that go on. I mean, some of them we know who they are, you know, whether it's a teacher who kind of connected us. Um, but a lot of them are in college right now. So, um, and we do know some, definitely some stories of people who've gone, gone out there and they just keep on going. They keep on volunteering. They keep on making a difference. And they use not only that spirit and ethic of giving, but they also use all the skills that they learned along the way, you know, learning how to communicate and talk with others and organize people in, in you know, that team building aspect, but also the problem solving and decision making that goes on um, that they really gain through the program. Um, that's something that we've heard, you know, some students that have gone on a couple of years later, they share with us that that's still a part of who they are and, and they see the connection between what they did in, in our service learning program and what they're doing today. 
Um, we do collect lots of data from the teachers about the effectiveness of the program. So we have that, yes. but we don't, we don't get direct personal contact uh, information for the kids. We wish that we did just so we can see the stories, you know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's, there's Asia. Yeah. And Asia was a girl that I, will inspire me for the rest of my life. I, I still remember her talking about her experience at her school and she never saw herself as a leader yeah. and, she really, when she was chosen to be a part of what they called the SLT, student leadership team at her school, at their school, they've treated our program as like kids, because it's been there for so many years, kids in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade see that, hey, the fifth grade leaders are the SLT. They're the, there's a student leadership team. And she never thought that she would be on that team. Um, and then we had an opportunity to meet her in her sophomore year in high school and interview her. And I just, you know, I'll never forget how she said that, that, yeah, that that year of being on the SLT totally changed her life. And she said, now I'm really active in high school and I'm part of a mentoring program for fresh incoming freshmen. And she said, my parents never would have thought I would have done that. I never thought I would have done that. And she said, I can look back and say it was, she named her teacher. I don't want to call somebody out by name, but she <laughs> said, she, uh, you know, she inspired me. She saw something in me. And I think what she saw in her was that she was capable of, if sometimes us adults just have to get out of the way <laughs> and let kids shine. And, and Asia, she, she shined pretty bright when she was in fifth grade, but she was shining even brighter as a sophomore as we were interviewing her. So but I, I, too, like Laura, I wish we had a lot more opportunity to uh, yeah. see it here. We've talked many times that, gosh, it would be great if we had an alumni club. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that the stories will continue to re- reveal themselves. Yeah, they will. So where, where, where is the place, uh, if people want to learn more about your work and uh, support your work, where can people find you? What's the best way to start to interact? Probably go through our website. It's um, www.seekidsdream.com org. Great. Well, Bill and Laura Grindle, thank you so much. Uh, you guys are definitely good people. We really appreciate you coming Aww. on. Thank you. Thank you. So are you guys. So are you guys. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks for what you guys are doing. So that was uh, Laura and Bill. What do you think, Jay? Pretty amazing. Yeah, that was... Yeah, that was fun. Um, they both have so much energy for the for their uh, um, their work. Um, it's kind of infectious. <laughs> I, I enjoy listening like to a, a two hour podcast. Oh, absolutely, we could have. Um, and they've have just to, got so much content and stories. I would have to up our data storage on SoundCloud for that. Oh boy, we can't we can't afford that. Let's just which which you <laughs> haven't been chipping in on on some of those payments, by the way. The check I sent the check. We didn't get the check. <laughs> must must <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there were a few things for me. Um, I loved how, uh, you know, when I asked the question, I was curious about how they did it. And it was obvious to me as they started going through it that they facilitate this work with kids, right? So you can come in and say, okay, kids, we're going to give uh, um, money to, uh, you know, some homeless foundation. I want you to bring $5 from your parents tomorrow. And so the kids go home and say, hey, mom and dad, can I have $5? What's it for? Well, it's for this. And they say, okay, here's $5. Kids come in, hand it to the teacher, and they're done. 
But that's not what they do. What they do is say, what do you want to do? How are we going to do it? Who should we contact? Who's going to lead it? How's it going to function? And uh, that, that sort of adult facilitation, I think, goes a long way. Um, those kids gain some confidence. I mean, um, Laura gave the story of, um, um, of uh, oh, maybe it was Bill who gave the story about um, the, yeah. the, yeah, Asia that had uh, gained confidence that she could be a leader and learn something from that. And I guarantee you that's going to show up as she gets older. Um, those are confidence building um, accomplishments that um, help a kid know what they can be and, and uh, the opportunity they have. And then the second part that I really liked is I really feel like there's something to be said for if they pick a topic or pick an idea or pick an effort and they go accomplish that and see a result. Um, it, as we've talked about, service in, in, in the charitable world can be tough. If they have success with it early on, I think they see their capacity to accomplish um, positive results and make change. Uh, what a lesson to learn in, in fifth grade. Yeah, man, yeah, I talk to a lot of students, mainly in middle school to high school and a lot of colleges. And you know, so often they're like, how can I make a difference? I'm just a student, right? And to, at yeah. a very early age to, to know that you can make a difference. And you know, right. I, was, I was in Boy Scouts. I did service projects and checked some of those boxes. And I don't know how much it was about other people, though, um, Sure. And I think that we check a lot of boxes at that age for a resume or for your college application, but to do mm -hmm. it in a real world way that you can see the impact and to see the people that are impacted by it. Um, I can only imagine how that would have changed. I mean, I've come to these things, but it's been later in life and it's, it's been when experiences of like extreme poverty have slapped me upside the face and yeah. Yeah. I've seen it in the world and, um, and I feel like my, you know, especially teenage and twenties, it's, it's really easy just to have our camera focused on our, our lives with the star of the mm -hmm. show. And, and mm -hmm. it's much more rewarding to live in a world where you're looking outwards at, at others. And, um, maybe that's something that I've come to just through experiences and with age, but to have experiences like these kids are having, it could be something that they discover. 15 years before yeah. I did. You wonder, you wonder uh, well, it, a case study on all these kids would be great, but you wonder if it makes them more aspirational, right? Mm. They aspire to do more uh, than I probably did. I, I aspired to be able to buy a car. Mm. That was my aspiration. And I wonder if their aspirations are different, right? They're, they're aspirations that you see for people that are grown up and, and, and done the other check boxes as you and I talk about often. So that's, that's really cool. It'll be fun for them. They said a lot of them are in college. So I know this is going to happen. Some of those kids are going to come back to them. They will. And they'll say, look, I did this, I created this, or somebody will pop up in the news and it'll be a result of those things they learned in, in fifth, mm -hmm. sixth, seventh grade, whatever year. Another thing that really jumped out to me was that how they, how it all got started and how it was just kind of a series of people they bumped mm -hmm. into and conversations they had. And as um, you know, someone who's myself, who's founded a nonprofit and in those early days, you start taking those steps and people start coming alongside you and it starts to gather momentum, but there's so much you have to go through to get to, you know, years in and actually become a nonprofit that if someone would have told me 
in the beginning. I didn't pose this question to them because sometimes it can be an awkward answer. Like, uh, but if someone <laughs> posed it, like, is it? Here's all the things that you have to do. Here's the 100 pages of steps to the facing project to exist. And uh, six, you know, eight years from now, uh, for them, 11 years from now, are you right? Sign your name here, and you can begin this journey. You flip through the pages, and you're like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. um, but looking back at it all and seeing the impact and to seeing all the people involved, like it is worth it, but uh, there's something innocent in the beginning of not knowing all the effort, the sweat and tears that it's going to take that, that just keeps people moving forward. And it's because other people, um, uh, have come along yeah. side them. Right. Yeah. It's fascinating. They had so many orbiting them right away to, to start making that change occur. And that's, that's really encouraging. But as we've said, people are looking for these opportunities and for a chance. And if something rings with them and they think it's going to help, I mean, we see it all the time with the facing project, right? People want to jump on, they want to, they want to be part of it. They want to help. They want to, uh, and obviously they saw that and built something wonderful from it. Yeah. It's, it's like those people are kind of investing in a way that might not just be financially, right? Like you're kind of validating their idea and investing in their, in their passion just by encouraging it. I don't think we can um, underestimate the impact that that can make. Um, yeah. That's hard to quantify. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll wrap up with kind of three things. So, you know, throughout where am I giving, I kind of had giving roles and, uh, and Laura, I was going to underline three things that Laura ended on, I think can make us all better people and, and better givers. And number one was that everyone can help. No matter who you are, where you are, you can help another person. Uh, number two is that we need to understand the challenges better and but, but, so we can help better. And mm-hmm. um, to do our legwork and to do our research and get to know the issue, which is really critical. And then number three is that if we all work together, we can make a bigger impact. So if you listen to this and those are the only three things you took away from it, I think that you're better served. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. And it, it is interesting how they sound like giving rules from the book, from your book. I, I, I loved how she phrased them and uh, they're great for everyone. I, think I, I probably only needed somebody. three giving rules, Jay. Instead, I have like 85 or something. I only needed three. Well, next revision. Next revision. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Good People Podcast. Special thanks to my friend Jay Mormon for co-hosting and to Cliff Ritchie for the great tunes. You can listen to Cliff on Spotify or find him at cliffritchyart.com. Let's keep the good going. Please share, rate, and subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. Visit kelseytimmerman.com slash goodpeople to find show notes suggest guests, learn more about my books, and tell us about the good you are doing in the world.